Welcome to the DEI Discussions podcast series. This is the Women of Fintech chapter, and we are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges, and walk the talk for change across the entire financial technology industry. Today, we are joined by Sarah Wachter, Communications and Brand Manager, and Amil Beril, Talent Acquisition Manager at SWAN. SWAN is a European fintech company focusing on embedded finance. It is an easy way to add banking features to your products. They are both here to share how they have been walking the talk for inclusion in our sector and what more they want done. Emily, please start and tell us a bit more about SWAN and your role. Yes, sure. So um, SWAN is a Europe's emerging leader in banking as a service. Uh, we are an embedded finance player founded in 2019 by experienced fintech entrepreneurs and developers. We are already 150 Swannies across offices in Paris, Berlin, and Barcelona. And Amsterdam and Milan are coming up next. And uh, yeah, a bit more about my role. So I'm a talent acquisition manager at Swan. I've joined Swan two years ago as a first talent acquisition manager. And my role when I joined in 2021 was to build a talent acquisition function, but also to build solid recruitment processes, implement recruitment tools, recruit the best talents, partner revenue manager, and of course, ensure the best possible uh, candidate experience. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And Sarah, you were the first non-tech hire. Tell us about your role and why this was a big moment for the company. Yes, actually, the real first non-tech hire was our chief compliance officer, Steffi Ninga. She was also the first woman on the team. Steffi was responsible for helping us get our money license and building up the regulatory side of things. And I came along just a few months later. This was in 2020 when Swan was ready to go out into the world to announce that license, to announce our seed funding. And first starting to build the brand and messaging, our founders wanted someone who didn't know FinTech to start with. We do banking as a service. It can seem very complicated. And so my job was to break it down and make it easy to digest. And then of course they wanted native English. Swan first was launched in Paris. And the vision for Swan was actually to be European from the start, not just French, but European. So they wanted native English. And so the early days were classic startup-y, launching the newborn version of the tech documentation with the COO, making funny decisions like, okay, actually, it's not funny. It's very serious. What's our voice? Let's not talk like a tech bro. Okay, should we use emoticons? How much is too much? Are rocket ships still cool? And then big actions, the seed funding announcement, opening up our sandbox to the public so companies can start building banking features into their products using our platform for the first time. It was exciting times. And today, Swan offers a whole gamut of banking products to embed into your own user experience. So accounts, cards, iBands from lots of countries in Europe. But the product at the time was non-existent. And I remember one of our founders was so excited when we first developed an account. He said, hey, come look at this. And he showed me the app. And it was literally one line on the screen with a name for the account holder and the number zero. That's it. And then he transferred himself some money from another account. And the zero became a 10. And 
that's how simple it was. It was one of Swan's very first transfers. And that's how basic a product is in the beginning. And now, of course, our accounts are extremely advanced with all kinds of settings and onboarding flows and payment features, banking interfaces, which, by the way, are no code and we just open sourced them. So a lot has happened since 2020. And watching this growth happen, not just the product, but also our clients, our reputation, our team expanding across multiple offices, like Amelie said, it's been crazy. And so the progress of the team has been just as big as the advancement of the product. It was our founder's vision, like I said, to be European. And Europe is extremely diverse, but at the same time, but at that at the time, the team was pretty homogenous. And I think this is pretty common in small tech teams. Our first Swannies were practically all French male developer metalheads. They really, they listened to metal. So it was cool. They all had something in common like that. They're all still in the team, super caring, expert workers. But needless to say, we diversified the team, both on the tech side and other departments a lot since then, partly because of our leadership's vision to be European. Like I said, Europe is vastly, vastly diverse, but a huge, huge credit goes to Amélie, our talent acquisition manager who just introduced herself because she hired basically the entire company up until now. And she makes a point to diversify our team. And it's just so brilliant hearing that story and how that's all come about. And Amelie, please tell us more on your thoughts about making gender equality an active part of talent acquisition. And also please share some of your wins. Yes, sure. So maybe a bit of context first. So today our team represents, as I already mentioned, 150 employees in France, Germany, Spain, and Netherlands. And we have 24 different nationalities and about 35% of women. But it definitely didn't, didn't always look like this. And I joined Swen uh, in 2021. We were about 20 employees with fewer percentage of women and pretty much only French people, as uh, Sarah mentioned. So of course, there are some strategies that have been implemented in the company to work for diversity and inclusion. And of course, there's still much more to, uh, to do. First, maybe it's also important to mention that we are still a young company company and a tech company. So of course, we face a lot of challenges uh, regarding diversity. And as we all know, there's much more, um, there are much more men uh, in the tech industry, and especially in tech teams, um, like software engineers, DevOps, data, tech product, and so on. And at Swan, we are tech and product driven companies. So uh, let's say about 50% of our organization are tech and product talents. And most of them are coming from engineering schools, for example. And Let's take just one number. I checked before the podcast. So in France, there are about 25% of women in engineering schools. So yes, of course, we struggle to have women applying for tech position. And we need to take actions for, for that. First, we need to make sure that we have the right basics. So having a diverse panel of interviewers and team members during interview processes to reduce the risk of having bias decisions from the beginning of processes. Also, like, for instance, using inclusive language for job descriptions, keeping record of applicants, analyzing and sharing gender gap to create awareness as well. And of course, we always want to do more trainings and for hiring managers and recruiters because everyone should be involved uh, while hiring new uh, Swannies. And then we worked also a lot with Sarah on how we communicate externally about that. So we spent some time to 
really think about the content we wanted to highlight on our career page, on the job descriptions and so on. And it was really important for us to be uh, transparent and authentic about that. And finally, we worked also a lot on building partnerships uh, with different stakeholders who could help us to uh, promote diversity. Let's take an example. So the platform 15Tech, I'm not sure if you know them, it's quite French, I guess, but it's a great example for that. So it's a platform built for women in tech and they support women talents with coaching, they encourage peers networking as well, and they also support companies to build strong DNI culture. So that's also a great example for, for that. And of course, there's still a lot of actions that we want to implement at SWAN. So maybe a few examples. So of course, diversity is not only an HR question, and it would be amazing to build kind of an ambassador program. So having a group of Swannies from different teams thinking and working together on this topic. So organizing workshops and group work about it. That's something we, uh, we would really want to, uh, to do. And maybe another point. So I already mentioned that there are about 25% of women in engineering school. So we see that the big part of the challenge is also coming from the beginning. So we also have a response responsibility there. So um, first, we also have to uh, think uh, about how we can have an impact by promoting tech careers in schools and university, and then how we can encourage women who would like to also change careers sometimes and help them to reorient themselves towards tech positions. Yes, of course, we would like to build more partnerships with schools. For instance, we identify the great school called ADA Tech School. It's an inclusive tech school funded by a woman and they support students in becoming software developers. So they basically teach them how to code and they have strong diversity and inclusion and they design classes from scratch and the training in a very specific way and for diverse panel and for women. And that's very impressive because they have 70% of women as students learning how to code. So that's also a great example of type of partner we want to create with different stakeholders. Wow, Amelie, there's so much stuff that you've been doing. So no wonder you are making such huge impact the entire business. And I love how you're working so closely with Sarah around communicating that. So Sarah, I wanted to ask your opinion on how important championing inclusion is within the workplace and how far you think we've come as an industry? Yeah, firstly, when we talk about inclusion, it's just about being human. Companies can be a part of promoting social progress, you know, recognizing the inherent dignity and worth of everyone. And this aspect must be part of the soul of a company. Of course, this can sound kind of like Care Bears, rainbows and sunshine, which, by the way, I'm not knocking rainbows and sunshine. They give us health. They give us life. But back to the point, companies, especially startup companies, they need additional arguments to invest in inclusion. And a big one is performance. So let's talk about performance. Inclusion helps unlock the potential of individuals. And when you feel included, like your voice is heard and respected, you're going to be more likely to share ideas, uh, take risks and contribute, and you'll be more productive. I saw McKinsey put out a report on this about diversity and inclusion. And in it, they reported that the top quartile for ethnic diversity outperforms those in the bottom quartile in terms of profitability. And this report showed also positive correlation between diversity and financial success. So inclusion drives business outcomes. 
So that kind of answers the question of how important it is to champion inclusion. You also asked Nadia, how far have we come? These questions are sensitive for everyone because I think you'll agree every day should be Women's Day, every day should be Pride Day, etc., etc. So I think thinking about the everyday is even more important than coming up with big attention getting actions. So we can think about the small habits that we can instill every day. Obviously, a product team cares about this already. It's a part of the job of a product team making the product accessible. And actually, it's funny because our biggest inclusivity champions, I would say on the team, several of them, they come from the product side of the company, which I think is kind of interesting. But related to this across the whole company, we try to make sure that interactions with SWAN from all touch points include a diversity of profiles. Uh, like our documentation, what names are we using? Do they represent diversity of nationalities, of gender? We created a matrix to make this easy for the team to pull names from. And this goes not just for the doc, but for the marketing, the website, any fun graphics that we make of accounts and of cards. We aren't labeling those John Doe every single time. <laughs> and another thing I'll bring up, related to company culture is that fun stuff, just like serious stuff, it needs to be inclusive. And part of our culture at Swan, it's, it's quite fun. And it includes making friendly memes of key people within the company. They're ridiculous and they bring so much joy. And I would say togetherness, but almost all the memes we notice lately, they tend to be of men of certain key men in the company and so a question literally was can we have more women in the memes please and I know it seems really silly and I can't believe I'm talking about memes as an example for inclusivity but I think it matters having representation everywhere not just where things are serious also where we're being funny that's where a lot of connection to company culture happens and so let me come back to how far have we come just I Two things come to mind that occurred on Slack in the past couple of weeks that I'd love to bring up. The first one is a young SDR, sales development representative, a young woman colleague and friend mentioned for the first time that when she took a first call with a company, I think it was a fintech company, both co-founders in the meeting were women. And she announced this to the team. And the fact that this was a big event worth announcing, it's kind of sad. But then also maybe 15 years ago, it wouldn't have happened at all. So that was kind of cool. And another thing that happened, Julia Turbeni, who runs things for Swan in Spain, she's quite a dazzling spokesperson, accepted an award on behalf of Swan the other day, like a top fintech award. And the picture that she shared with the company on Slack to share the evening with us, with representatives from other fintech companies, it was all women. It was a bunch of women from other fintech companies, all holding trophies. And I can't say how many times I see pictures from fintech events. And I think, why are they all men? And I know it's kind of a dumb question, but what's funny is this time I looked at the picture and instinctively I, th I said to myself, but why is it all women? <laughs> and that was a cool moment. So yeah, those are the ways I would illustrate how far we have come. Some really amazing examples in there and thank you for sharing them. And I think what I love so much about this story is just there's so many angles that you're looking at, all of you, you're working together to make sure that no one feels excluded in 
whatever the situation may be. Now, Emily, I know that you've seen and you've been doing lots of things that have worked well in terms of diversifying your team. So I'd love for you to share some of that with us. Yes, definitely. Maybe something very important for me to mention is that we all, as a recruiter and companies, also really have to think about what type of profiles are we looking for. And if we only want to recruit senior profiles with strong engineering scores, our goal will be only to try to recruit and steal great profiles from another company. So if you want to recruit more women, you will just have like moving a talent from a company to another. And so you don't really bring anything to the ecosystem. So it's also about attracting, hiring, training and coaching juniors. And I think also companies need to really support new talents to enter um, the tech industry. And that's also what we are trying to do more and more. So um, maybe just to share a short example about that. So. A year ago, we've opened a software engineer position, as usual, and we were open about the seniority. So we took uh, the time to really assess the skills, motivation, and potential for each candidate. And at the end, we've decided to hire a candidate, which was a woman, uh, Sandrine, and she was looking for a first permanent position as a front-end developer. And a few words about her background, because it's interesting to, um, to know that she was doing something completely different before for a few years. And then she decided to go back to school, learn how to code. And she was looking for her first position, as I mentioned. So we've hired her not because of her seniority or experiences, but because of her motivation, her passion, and the potential that we identified. And a year later, she was recently promoted from a junior to a mid-level developer position due to her performance and her skills. And if I go back a year before, so when I, I remember when she was still in the recruitment process with us, we were at the end of the recruitment process. She passed all the steps with success and I've made the offer to her. And she was surprised to receive the offer. She was also a bit like scared that we've made a mistake and that we uh, yeah, made a mistake about her. And she was afraid that she wouldn't have the level that we expected. Uh, so she clearly had imposter syndrome and lacking of confidence. That actually never happened with men software engineers. So it's great to see that after a year performing in a role, she is now super confident and about her skills. And she recently was a speaker at tech conference. So she comes into herself as an established developer and she's now a core member of our team. And of course, she's a great example for everyone. So we are definitely working to repeat this, to bring uh, more and more women into tech roles. And the goal also, as you understand, is to become a great environment for upskilling junior talents also and to encourage that. So, uh, yeah. Wow, what an inspirational story. I absolutely love that. And I, I want us to have more of those examples within this space. But what I think is super, super powerful is how you've shared that that confidence perception and what you did to support that and build that, which is just fantastic. Sarah, my last question comes to you and it's always the same, my last one in these podcasts, because I want everyone to be more active in the pursuit of genuine workplace inclusion. So my question to you is from our listeners, what would you like to see more of for that genuine workplace inclusion? Yeah, beyond formal diversity initiatives like resource groups and committees. I'd love to focus again on what individuals can do. On a personal level, individuals can try to be aware, self-aware 
firstly, the obvious one is reflecting on your own privileges. We talk about this all the time. I'm a woman, yes. And I'm an immigrant to Europe from the US to France, but I'm a privileged one. As an American, I have a certain accent when I speak English. This affords me certain privileges for sure. That part is easy. Identifying, hey, I'm this gender. I came from this sort of economic background, acknowledging that. But where it can be harder to be honest with yourself, I try to be aware of how my tastes my preferences and my judgments are formed by my background. We all like to think of ourselves as open-minded, you know? I think how many people, when you ask them, hey, what kind of music do you like? They say everything. And I always think, really? Like literally everything? It's interesting to consider and be honest with yourself about what movies and music you consider good. How much is that formed by your background? I think one of the biggest things individuals can do, not just to promote inclusivity in the workplace, but just generally is to make a point to learn about different walks of life. So I try to make myself read books or watch movies from a perspective that's very far from my own, especially if it's uncomfortable. So maybe if you're in the bookstore looking around, don't just go for the things that actually are instinctively interesting to you. Be interested in actually what kind of drives you away and ask yourself, why does this drive me away? And this is one way to work on your own empathy. And it's fun too. So, so self-awareness first. Then we can be aware simply of what inclusion means. We all likely have colleagues who are female, male, non-binary, who have diverse range of abilities, different socioeconomic backgrounds, racial backgrounds, neurodiversity for sure. And some of these things are invisible. It's great just to be aware of how truly different we all are, even if we can't really see it necessarily. And then we can nurture each other. Something I learned from a close colleague is we can nurture our colleagues regardless of hierarchy. And this is something that kind of blew my mind because it didn't occur to me. Like I said, regardless of hierarchy, we can nurture people. So notice whose work is not getting highlighted as much as others for whatever reason. They can be C-suite. They can be an intern. And whenever the opportunity presents itself, we should be putting great work in the spotlight and giving opportunities for people to lead and to grow. You don't have to be in management in order to hold others up. And I think this is a mindset that we need so that we don't put the weight of inclusion just on the shoulders of a few people up high. It's just not possible. It's a community effort. And I heard a story recently. I just want to add, we've all heard stories like this. It was an up-and-coming award-winning chef who came out as trans. And ever since then, all anyone wants to talk about is the experience of being a trans chef. And what happened to talking about the work? She never asked to be an activist. And people just want their work and their value to be acknowledged, period, regardless of their traits or their identity. And so, yes, let's consciously create opportunities to shine light on colleagues from all walks of life. And then let's avoid pointing out those differences and making the reason we're shining light those differences. Let's avoid that while we do it. To close, basically, with a rapid fire anecdote, a young woman developer, not Sandrine, a new one, joined our team the other day. And in the onboarding session where we welcome new Swanies, I almost said, Yay, another woman developer. <laughs> and I stopped myself and I thought, What if this became the norm? And what if we just stopped pointing this out? So that's where I hope we're headed. 
And what a brilliant way to conclude this podcast, because you're absolutely right. I, I do hope that's the way that we're headed. And I do believe that we can get there, especially with companies like yours and people, people like the both of you. So thank you both for sharing your insights on today's the DEI Discussions podcast series. Thank you. Thanks so thank much. You.